They're just going to flow with me in the background because I just feel this is family time. Hallelujah. You know, um, if you just go back and put the words we've had in recent years, especially in this last six, eight months, it's pretty amazing when you begin to look at it and see what God is up to. There's going to be people healed in here without anybody touching them. You'll just hear them scream out. I'm just telling you, there's going to be people set free and delivered. Hallelujah. Here's some things I put together for you this morning talking about crossing over. Because when you cross over, that's crossing over into promotions. What kind of promotions? Promotions you don't have the ability to get or it's not time to get or you couldn't get on your own. Positions, titles, finances, influence. It's, it's a year of supernatural promotions, a year of supernatural breakthroughs, a breaking of the yoke that you have not been able to break on your own. It could be addiction, sickness, fear, hurt, pain, offense, oppression, poverty, whatever it is. Spiritual gifts, talents, whatever it is you've been trying to break through and you haven't been able to, this year through is important because it's coming. Not for everybody, but for those that pursue him. Your divine encounters. What is a divine encounter? A divine encounter is a supernatural marking by God. A divine encounter can be a dream, a vision. A divine encounter can just be a touch when you're driving down the road. A divine encounter can be something you hear during the message and you know it's God and it was for you. A divine encounter, what is that? A theos, Father, Son, Holy Ghost encounter. Boom, hits you. What's it do? Gives you revelation you didn't have. Brings things to you you couldn't get on your own. What is it? It's a divine marking. It's a spot. It's a scripture. It's a word. It's a message. It, it, it's an anointing you can never forget. You just know, man, when that happened, that's a divine marking from God. I was marked right there. I'll never forget it. You've heard me tell the story after I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, not soon, just right after. I don't remember if it was a week or more, but it wasn't long. Hallelujah. And I'd moved home from college, still had my businesses, so I, I was getting ready to find a place to live, but in the meantime, I was back in my old bedroom at mom's. And I was asleep. And I'm a light sleeper. I'm not always the best sleeper. Amen. I might, I might be wound a little tight. I don't know. It's, that's what they say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It means you spin harder when you're wound tight. You know what that means? Get more done. But anyway, praise God. So I'll be the Lord's sacrifice for you. Hallelujah. I was lying there, and I, I'm always a side sleeper. I'm not a back sleeper. Even today, I try to make myself. I can't make it 15 minutes. I roll over. I'm just lying there in my bed, and I never forget, I kind of have my hands up here like this. All of a sudden, I felt the presence of God start at my toes and my feet, and it was the glory. I didn't open my eyes for fear because I... I knew if you ever saw God face to face, he's going on in eternity. And I felt, and I was like, woo, woo. It was just like, wow. Never felt, even the baptism of the Holy Spirit didn't touch that. Now it's the doorway to get it, but it didn't touch it. I don't know, a few seconds later, God let me soak it, and he went, 
again from my toes to my it was like you jumped in a cold pool or creek or something and you're woo, woo, woo. at that point it was got getting my heart rate I felt it I'm just laying there like woo, woo. he let me lay there for a minute or so I'm like is this you God I know it's you he just confirmed with me it's his anointing his glory and again for the third time that time, ah, ah, ah. it's almost like the Holy Spirit saying, can you handle another one? And I'll never forget, I felt like Moses probably, whenever he asked God in Exodus 32 or 33, if he could see God face to face. And, Holy, and, and God told him, he said, Moses, if anyone sees me face to face, they'll die. He said, what do I do? I'll put you in a cleft of a rock, a little cave area. Just close your eyes. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to walk by you, and then when I tell you to open your eyes, you can open them and look. And the Bible says that Moses had his hands over his face. He's in the dark, shaded cave. And about that time, God yelled, look. He had already got past him where he couldn't see his face because he knew Moses would die. He couldn't handle that glory. It's so strong. And the Bible says glory saw his hinder parts, his back. And the Bible says the glory was so powerful that Moses' face glowed with radiant light. Was a God light, that was glory. With radiant light. And it says when he came off the hill to meet with the people, because they had already messed up and broke the Ten Commandments. He broke the Ten Commandments because they had an idol, calf, worship, and all that. God told him to go back. When he went back that time, that's when he said, I got to see you, God. And people were just couldn't handle it. He didn't realize. He looked, ooh, see the shine. He had to put a veil, a thick veil. Like not just a veil, but something thick to where the light couldn't get through. Because when the light got through, people would fall. They couldn't handle the glory. They'd almost go blind. I don't know how long that lasts. I could study it, but it's a while. And the way it existed was, Moses would set up a tent called the Tent of Meeting outside the camp. And there was, I don't know, well over a million men. So you imagine how many men, women, and children, probably at this time, three million people or whatever. They had tents everywhere. But when Moses would go to the Tent of Meeting outside the camp, everybody would stand at their tents and look. Joshua was with him. And the Bible said by the time Moses got and went inside the tent, the tent of meeting, the glory cloud would hover over, and it was the glory of God in the form of a cloud, and they could all feel his presence, and then they would move back into their tents and experience their little bit of presence because Moses led him into the presence because of his obedience, and God cho chose to use him. Hmm. That glory sustained throughout his life till he went home. I feel like in my spirit, it's a tent of meeting time. That the glory of God is not just here for today, an hour or two or service, but it's in this area, this region right now. It's been prophesied. I'll have to teach you again on it for, I don't know, 30 plus years, probably 50 years or more, that the next great reformation and revival would come from Kentucky. All the great revivalists that are living today, even the newer ones say Kentucky, somewhere in Kentucky, Somewhere in kind of southwestern Kentucky, I forget the little town in the river, 
where actually the pastor received the glory of God that went up and helps, he actually initiated the Cane Ridge Revival. And then what's his name led it. Um, he prayed for what's his name that led the Cane Ridge Revival and he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He was, I think, Methodist or something. I'm, just ignore me, I'm kind of not all here. Just hear God for yourselves. And, and then there was a prophetess about a year and a half ago, a year ago, had a dream. I should have read this before I came. Had a dream and a vision, and it's very detailed because she goes and prays at that spot all the time, and God gave her an open vision and shown her a line drawing through from that little spot to a portion here in Lexington, Nicholsville, all the way to Cane Ridge, and then how it goes out and touches the world. So you know me, I had to investigate it. I got a picture on my iPad, but I don't want to take time to dig it out. But that line, I drew a red line, Scobie, and it goes from that spot where the man initiated the Cane Ridge Revival. It goes all the way from there, and the line goes right through our property right here. Right out to Cane Ridge and beyond. I'll have to look and see if it's coming from the direction of Asbury or not. I'm not sure. Is it? It is. Yeah, David said it is. That line. Now, since God is moving without any famous person and people are repenting, worshiping, getting saved, obviously if they're praying for it, they're getting filled with the Holy Ghost, Miss Gwen. You know how God is. He'll slip it right on in there. They'll just have to have somebody to activate their prayer language. They're getting filled. You can believe that. What's that, 15 miles from here, maybe? 10, 12, 15, whatever it is. And God said from this spot, we will touch the world. Amen. From this spot. I think we can put the spiritual significance when someone was marked by God, like the lady there, when, when the pastor that led the pastors to the Lord that headed up the Cane Ridge Revival was marked in his little church his little, by the little creek there. And then the Cain Ridge Revival marked the world for a great, one of the great wonders and moves of God. In the 70s, Asbury had a, how long did it last, David, the Asbury Revival? 10 days. Was your dad president then or was that before him or after him? Huh? You were in that, you were there then? Well, I'm gonna have to have you talk about that. Huh. Believe me, I got eight pages of notes for you, but I'm not concerned about it. Out of about 2,000 sermons I could pick from. But God, anybody feel his presence right now? Uncommon anointing. Divine encounters. Take a place all around you. Question is, will you have one? What comes with an uncommon anointing? What's the difference between anointing and uncommon anointing? Here's what God gave me on it. I'll read it to you. Stay with me. You're good. Just keep. 
So the word God gave us for 2023, a year of crossing over, basically consists of these four things, right? Uncommon anointing, divine encounters, <clears throat> supernatural promotions, and breakthrough. So today my intention is to teach on the uncommon anointing. I guess we'll just experience it. What is an uncommon anointing? It's different than an anointing you have for like a ministry gift anointing, a talent anointing. It's different than having the gift of song or the psalmist or a worship anointing. It's different even than the unique anointings that comes with the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of miracles, signs and wonders, uh, gift of faith, right? Gift of healings, plural. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All those, there's nine gifts. They're broken up in three categories, the power gifts, the discernment gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning spirits, and then the vocal gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and I forget the third one, whatever it is. Nine. It's different than that. They have their own unique anointing. An evangelist has a unique anointing, a gift to evangelize. Five-fold ministry, Ephesians 4. He gave some to be pastors, prophets, evangelists, and teachers what to build, to edify up, to perfect the saints till he comes. So all these things, there's all kinds of gifts you could think about. And there's an anointing for each one of those. An uncommon anointing is when God anoints something like that to bring something greater than you've ever had or experienced. It's not common to you. Like to me, if God gives me a good anointing to preach today, that's not uncommon to me. If God had me lay hands on someone and they were, had cancer and they were dying and they got healed instantly, that's, I love it, but it's not uncommon to me. It might be uncommon to one of you all, so it could be an uncommon anointing for you. I've sowed seeds and received uncommon returns on it before. So it's not uncommon. There's certain levels. Yeah, I can go sow a seed and get a higher level of return, and that would be an uncommon anointing on what's common to me. Your, your common anointing is what your benchmark is, where you're calling your anointings, your revelation, your giftings, what you know, what you've experienced, what you can believe for right now, what you have faith for right now. An uncommon anointing anoints that and multiplies exponentially and supersedes anything you've ever experienced, could believe for, or anointing you've ever had, or anything like that. Somebody say uncommon anointing. <laughs> Here's what God, how he helped me define it, because I got it in the spirit, and I had to search it out. God, what, what, what's this mean? So an uncommon anointing is something that comes on you that you didn't expect and gives you the faith and power or ability to do something you can never do on your own. You read that again. An uncommon anointing is something that comes on you that you didn't expect and gives you the faith, gives you faith and power or ability to do something you can never do on your own, to move on your behalf, whether it's your breakthrough, your promotion, your healing, whatever it is. It's an anointing that comes, look at this, the uncommon anointing is an anointing that comes on you to perform something that never could be performed without. It's uncommon to both you and others. <laughs> anointing is much like the nine gifts of the Spirit. First Corinthians, right, 12, 11, 11. And when you talk about the gift of faith, it's not your faith, it's God's faith. 
It's different than your believing faith, your salvation faith. It's um, healings is the gift of healings, the only of the gifts that's plural. And it's all manner of healings, whether it's cancer, bone, heart, lungs, you know, organs, whatever it is, mind, whatever. Healings. There's, so, so whenever you pray for someone and the gift of, for them to get healed in front of you, instantly healed in front of you, manifested instantly in front of you, it's going to take two or three of the nine gifts for that to happen usually three to five. It's going to take, first of all, the gift of discernment that you have, which is one of the nine gifts, to pray for someone, right? And then it's either going to be the gift of faith, which is passive, like whenever uh, Samson killed a you know, thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass, a donkey, right? Killed him. That's the working of miracles, when Daniel was in the lion's den, laid his head in the mouth of the lion, that's the gift of faith. The gift of faith is passive. The working of miracles is what it, it's rotting, it's working. It's taking what God puts in your hand and using it to perform a miracle. The working of miracles is not your miracle power. The working of miracles is the way God manifests an uncommon anointing through you. The gift of faith it's not your faith, it's the faith of God. Just like the word of wisdom, which tells you about future events and destinies. The word of knowledge, what tells you about past and present things and what you need to know. What is it? That's the three uh, gifts of, um, I won't say thinking gifts, but whatever. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. What's that mean? It's not your word or any man's word. It's the, word, it's the word of knowledge from God's mind to you. It's like many of you have had me speak things to you. When I pray for you, you knew I knew no way of knowing it. Your name may not be in the Bible, right? But definitely your story's not. And I start rattling off. Or like Prophet Trout did last week, he just started rattling off things. You go, how did that man know that? He didn't. It's called the gift of the word of knowledge and the gift of word of wisdom and discerning the spirits. God downloads it into him and he begins to speak out in faith what God gave him. He don't know you. He don't even remember you the next day. It's so funny. He prayed for a lot of the staff, and he didn't even remember them. He remembers some of our staff. He didn't remember he prayed for them. Because he's so caught up in. He's funny and all that, but he's so in another zone operating the way God has created him to operate. Now, probably if God said, what I want you to do is have a healing line, and I want you to lay hands and not say a word on everybody in that line, that would probably be uncommon to him. But he could ask a healing evangelist that never uses or a pastor that never uses the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, get to faith and discern your spirits and say, go around and pray for 10 people and bring health and deliverance to them and understanding about where they're at now and where they're going, it'd be uncommon to them. They could tell you about the gospel, how to get saved, how to get, but that's uncommon. You see where I'm going? So whenever you operate in a sign and wonder, a gift of healings operates and someone's instantaneously manifests their healing or that's an easy way to say it. Or that it's going to come by either the gift of faith or the working of miracles. Sometimes I've experienced both. It's one to two of the power gifts. It's going to come from discerning of spirits and a word of knowledge, which is two of the three, what's it called? Thinking gifts, intuition, I just said it a few minutes ago. There's different. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, church. Two of those three. And sometimes it will include prophecy. 
tongues, interpretation is, is prophecy. But usually three to five of those gifts to manifest one miracle. And I can tell you every time, I can take you through the Bible and show you how when Jesus met Nathaniel, he had a vision, a word of knowledge, and saw him at a tree, right? And they brought him to him, and he said, oh, Nathaniel, he didn't know his name. That was a word of knowledge, right? A man with no guy on his heart, and Nathaniel's like, oh, my God, who is this man that knows everything about me? And, and then Jesus said that he would even see open heavens and different things in heaven, word of wisdom. What did it produce faith in Nathaniel? So what's common to you may be uncommon to someone else and, and so on. But what is it? It's whenever an uncommon knowing comes on you to perform something that you never could have performed without, without. It's uncommon to you and to others. An uncommon anointing is a unique, an anointing different than what's common to you. This seems elementary, but it's not. I've been doing this, preaching this gospel for right at 30 years, and it's not been saved for 33 or 34 years. So it's, it's just something God just downloaded. And I got scripture for all of it. I don't have time. There are anointings for special gifts, talents, various ministries, and ministry gifts. Again, uncommon anointing is what is a manifestation of Holy Spirit that rests on you to do something that you could not do for yourself or anyone else. Woo, man. Now, for the sake of time, since I guess we all still care about that, I'm going to give you two quick biblical definitions, definitions for a common anointing. The first anointing is defined in the Bible as the perpetual propulsion of God's power. The perpetual. What's perpetual mean? Never ending. It's going all the time. Propulsion, what's that mean? Energy driving you through any, of, any line of Satan's defense to get what God has for you or someone else. 1 John 2 verse 20 says this, but you have an anointing. This is John writing to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You say, I don't know all things. When the word of knowledge comes on you, you'll find out. A lot of scholars try to write the word of wisdom, and the word of knowledge is great understanding and a lot of wisdom. No. The word of knowledge is knowing something now, and, and, and as well as a past event. The word of wisdom is knowing future events. God's knowledge from his mind gives you things a book or no one else can give you, or maybe it's in a book and you never knew it. What is this kind of anointing? It will propel you through anything that Satan puts in front of you or anyone you're praying for, discouragement, disease, destitution, whatever, name it. What we understand is God's anointing is a manifestation of his spirit. Actually an extension of it. Why? The anointing has the energy of a seed-like form. Now we know it's tangible. The Bible says it's like the ointment oil that's rubbed on the sheep to keep bugs and stuff out and other oils and stuff. But they're, they're symbols, the Bible says, of Holy Spirit and the anointing. They're synonymous. Are you all okay? Yeah. I need to stop. The power of an anointing, the power of any anointing is within itself. Just like every seed has a designed purpose from God. Man can split and unite seeds, but man can't create a unique seed that's never existed. 
right? But God said back in Genesis 4 or whatever, seed time and harvest time would never cease. Just like day and night. Like the rainbow, all that would never cease. Until he comes and decides what he wants to do after that. I know what that is too. It's in the Word, but I don't have time to talk about it. So much I want to give you. Let's see. But a, a lemon tree, you could plant it in a field and hope for an apple tree, but you're going to get lemons. You can, plant, you can plant an ear of corn. You can plant corn seed right in the ground and hope you get wheat. You're not going to get wheat. You're going to get corn every time. Every time. So you always got to know the seed that's designed for the purpose you need to have. You got to know that seed. What is it? If I need more money, I don't pray for more money. I work hard. I study. I do all that. But if I want to accelerate it, I sow money to get money. If I want more love, I sow kindness and generosity and love toward others, and I'll get love in return. If I want more joy in my life, I got to sow joy and happiness in other people, and I get more. It's sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. But the Bible says don't be an idiot, Right? Don't sow your seed on rocky ground or where the weeds choke it out, right? Sow it on good ground. One scripture in Mark says that a farmer sows the seed, and when he puts it in the ground, it blooms and blossoms, but he knows not how it happened. He just knows if I sow a good seed in good ground and take care of it and water it, I'm going to get what I sow. He's just waiting for how many returns he gets off that one seed he sowed. What is it? One apple seed can, I forget how many. One apple can produce a grove of apples just out of the seed of one apple. A seed has an assignment from God. A seed has the multiplication power from heaven on anything you sow. It also works in the bad things you sow. If you sow offense, you will constantly be offended and cause offense. If you sow anger, you will receive anger from others and you will walk in anger. If you sow fear or scarcity, that's what will be in your life and every area of your life and affect every area of your life. Whatever you sow, you reap, good or bad, pretty or ugly. It's your seed. But grace can help you as you sow and you receive the grace of God in your life and you apply the grace that's in you what is grace? The Jesus in you. That it can begin to blot out those things and change your harvest to what it is you're sowing that's new now. That's why a lot of people's lives a mess and they expect they got saved everything to be fixed. No, you got to start sowing good seed. You got to start sowing good relationships and kindness and joy and love and offerings and all those things because you get what you sow. Now God just gave you a clean slate to start sowing good seed. That's all. So the anointing is like a seed. It actually is an incorruptible seed. We might talk about that in a minute. But it has a life and an energy in itself. Isaiah 10, 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day, everybody say this day, that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Some translations say the anointing oil. King James says the anointing. What is that? Whenever God released his manifested presence targeted at anything or anyone, it's going to break for God one way or another. So our goal 
See, the children of Israel knew God because they followed Moses because God was on him. They saw God open the Red Sea, and I forget how many miles that, that thing was open that Prophet Trout was talking about, and then it closed on the Egyptian soldiers, right? Said a million soldiers were drowned or whatever. They saw the manna by day and the fire by night, the cloud by day, the fire by night, manna from heaven. Then later on, they got them some, what was it, pheasant or something? I don't know. They, wanted, they were tired of manna. Their shoes didn't wear out in 40 years. They knew God, but they didn't know God's ways. If they didn't have Moses, God's man, going up to the mountain to get God's word and bring it back, not just with the word, but bring it back with the glory, they wouldn't have learned his ways either. They could study Moses and begin to learn different ways God moved for Moses. And we're studying it today and learning different ways God moves. We're studying, studying ways the way that God moved in Paul's life and John's life and Mark's life and ultimately Jesus' life. When we study those that have divine encounters and that are doing healthy, great things for God and we study their life, we find out different ways God honors them and moves on their behalf. If you're sick and you need a healing anointing, you need to find great healing anointing videos on YouTube, not goofy people trying to explain it away, but great men and women of God like Dr. Summerall and Brother Shambach and others. You can even watch some of ours here. But they're, they're all over. Go there and study it. Read books, listen to books. Just saturate yourself with people that know the way that the healing gifts flow into the lives of others and they have experience doing it. You need faith, the same thing. You need prosperity, the same thing. I'm trying to teach you today some of the ways of God that he moves, not just to know God. You can tell if something is anointing if it breaks the yoke or not. You can tell how great the anointing of how many yokes or how great the yokes, the bondage are that it breaks. Remember Jesus said, Follow me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Talking about yoke of oxen together or horses, what is that? Whatever they pull, they all got to pull the same weight. One might work harder than the other, but Jesus said, you can work light, I'll take the heavy load for you, but just be yoked with me. Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. Jesus, this is when the, the anointing is first introduced to us in the New Testament, really, and through the Son of God. This is after he had already uh, been baptized by John. Heaven opened, dove came to form a spirit, voice from heaven. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. He went immediately into a 40-day fast, and he had to use God's word to apprehend Satan. Because a lot of times, you don't even have faith, but you use God's word, you'll get faith. You, you, you don't even know how to be healed. You study God's word on healing, you speak God's word, you'll, you'll find a way to heal him with or without a man or a woman. And Jesus just used the word that he was taught as a child and defeated Satan. Right after that, it said he went around and did great wonders, signs and wonders and miracles around the Sea of Galilee. And then he comes to this location and he sits down in a temple that he attended, I guess when he was a boy or whatever. And there was a seat behind him called the seat that was set for the Messiah. No one would ever sit in that until the Messiah came. And they gave him the scrolls to read and he read Isaiah and here's what he read from Isaiah, I think 61 or whatever. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, he's the Son of God. He's the seed 
of God to us for salvation. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, when the Spirit of the Lord is upon what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Talk about jubilee when all debts are forgiven and everything. And if you go back and read that, you'll see that he closed the scroll and he sat down in a seat. That's where they wanted to throw him over a brow of a cliff and kill him because they said, isn't this Joseph's son, Mary's son? I mean, he said he's the son of God and they wanted to throw him off and kill him, remember? And he slipped on through. The angels took him through. Why does God anoint you with anointings or uncommon anointings? The only reason God anoints you is not for you. The reason God anoints you, he loves you, but the reason he anoints you, because to die is the gain. So it isn't just to heal you. It isn't just to fill you. Why does he anoint you? His spirit comes upon you and his anointing, the manifested glory of God's very person comes upon you. Why does he do that? He does that because you face resistance. Not resistance over your income or your health, you face resistance because you are part of his kingdom, his sons and daughters, and there is a resistance against the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason we are anointed, the anointing is in us for our sake, but the anointing is on us for the sake of others. God called us to the world. He didn't call us to our little holler, our little neighborhood, or our little community. So I'm ready to go. Well, take care of your community, and he'll get to your family and your community, and then maybe he'll get you to the world. You don't decide the level of anointing on you. You won't be able to understand how could that man, he's an angry, hateful man, and, and he raised the dead and healed the sick. How can that man, he's a thief, but yet he gets thousands, millions of people say, how, how did that happen? How did that happen? Because you or the media or religious people didn't choose him. God did, and he anointed them and equipped them for certain things. He'll use a donkey if he has to. He's done it. Prophesied to the prophet Balaam. He'll use the rocks to praise him if he has to, and he has. If he can use a donkey or a rock, you know what a donkey is, right? If he can use that or a rock, he can use you. And if he can use you, he can use me. He can use us so we can be used. Oh, you gave him the map back there. In a minute, they'll put that map up and we'll pray. God anoints a CJ because of a resistance against his kingdom. The violent take his kingdom what by force. Not passive Christians that just want to get themselves to heaven. Got my ticket, I'll just be good and save me some money and have my house. And you just keep right on. He'll let you keep what you got. That's yours. But you'll never taste the glory he has for you. I could tell you, and I'm not saying that's proud. I've handled big money in my lifetime. Before I was a preacher, obviously. I mean, in the 80s, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for 21, 22, 23-year-old boy. Houses, car, all of it. Had positions, businesses in three states, met with presidents of companies, did all that stuff. I was a Christian then. Did all that stuff. Experienced some great things, traveled the world with great men and women of God. But there ain't nothing like some little girl or a grandma or a friend 
that needs to be healing and God chooses you and gives you discernment to lay hands on and you feel, listen, you feel the kingdom of heaven from your toes up through your heart coming out your fingers to the point you've even seen me and others do it. I can just look at you and you can fall out. I can hold my hand out. God is no respecter of Dalton or anyone else. God is no respecter of persons. There's nothing like holding someone's hand and lead them in the Lord's prayer and they give their life to Jesus. There's nothing like laying hands on somebody speaking and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Get their prayer language. There's nothing like having someone bend over with scoliosis and their, their back looks like an ass and you just watch it move under your hand. You just don't even want to take it off. That's greater than a billion dollars or a million dollars or anything you could throw at me than a Mercedes or a new car. Nothing touches the pulsating propulsion, perpetual power of God coming through you. Nothing. I've heard great men and women of God say this. One was, one was my mentor, one man of God. He said, why would I stoop to be the president of the United States? That's a demotion. A lot of people didn't understand that. Well, he honored the president, but he said, no. Oh, it was 30 years ago I first heard that. You know why he said that? Because all the power of this world cannot touch one ounce or one inch of God's glory perpetually flowing, pulsating through your life. Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah. Uh. Why is God anoint us? Because there's a resistance. And it's not Star Wars, honey. It's wars in the stars for sure. <laughs> Heaven touches earth. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. There's a resistance to believers and unbelievers. It's the anointing. It didn't say your prayer life. It didn't say how much carpet you eat. What's perpetual propulsion? Propulsion, power. I could also break the dunamis words for power and dunamis and all that stuff down and show you how it's in that like dynamite and the dynamite. Show y'all. I don't have time. Perpetual propulsion is kind of like you have about two acres of grass to mow and you got a good old lawnmower that's not self-propelled. See, when you're propelling yourself, <laughs> you're doing all the work. Your yoke is heavy. Your burden is heavy, right? But, but when the power of God is perpetually propulsing through you and his anointing, and you got to mow two acres of grass, but you have a self-propelled lawnmower, you just like, bzzz. all it took was a touch from you, and there it goes. Now, it might have took some work, some labor of love for you to get it, to receive it in your life, and, and to get the one that's like that, and, and, and to get the fuel you need, and the maintenance to keep it up, 
Because that's the way the anointing is, honey. You got to maintenance. You got to work for it. You got to pray for it. You got, yeah, but you got to use it. And as you use it, it's sowing and reaping. The more anointing I sow, the more I get. The more healing I sow, the more healing I get. The more prosperity I sow, the more prosperity I get. The more love I sow, the more love I get. The more power I get, the more power I get. The more authority I get, the more authority I get. Greater is he who is in you. He who is in this world. Well, Gertrude, I mean, I just come for that hour service and we haven't even taken communion yet. We better get out of here. These people are crazy. Go to someone that don't understand the ways of God and you'll get what you've always got. And maybe even less. Because they might teach you what you're getting is not good. <laughs> Trying to end. I don't have time to teach in depth, but what is the second definition of anointing? Say anointing number two. It's to be infused with the ability of God to do work on behalf of another. So it's not just an anointing for you, but it's to be infused. What is to be infused with the ability to do work on the behalf of another? What is it? Work is what? Motion against resistance. That's how it's refined, working. Motion against resistance. Here's the motion of resistance every believer. I don't care if you're Baptist, in between, Catholic, Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, independent, word of faith, word of this, or word of that. Or Bethelites, whatever you want to call us. Same for every believer. Mark 16, verses 15 through 18, and then verse 20. You want to know your purpose and your why? Here it is. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What's the gospel? Telling the truth about God. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. That means you got an opportunity until you take your last breath. And these signs will follow those that believe. Didn't say believers follow a sign, did it? In my name, everybody say the name of Jesus. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues, your prayer language. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. You don't have to deal with that like they did in the old days. Remember Paul got bit when he was shipwrecked and he got bit by a serpent? People would try to poison him. Kings had a cupbearer. If they died, I'm not drinking that. Paul did it because he was covered in the anointing and the blood of Jesus. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. and They will recover. Now, you notice it didn't say, yea, thee that has thou theology degree. I, mean, I don't talk about it much, but I'm a hillbilly, but I do have a master's of divinity. I guess, honey, I need to put it on the wall. Or maybe it's in that little library area and bring it out when people come in. And I, see, I'm, I, I know something. That means you're beyond your four years and then you get your master's and all that in Theology, which meant absolutely nothing. You can know all about God if you want to, but if you don't use it, it don't matter. You can tell me about his ways. I'd rather operate in his ways. Not against education. I think it's noble. One way or another, you got to get it. That's a good place to start, I guess. Took me a while to learn some of it out of me. 
Verse 20, Jesus said, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. What's that mean? If the Lord's working with you and the Spirit in you, that means the anointing is on you from the Lord. Yeah, I was just thinking, Caleb, the greatest anointing those students are going to get at Asbury, it's good to get knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. But the encounter they're having now will do them for generations compared to what any degree. Now, I'm for education to get a degree. I'm not against it. I'm just saying. But when you put education and head knowledge before the knowledge of God and knowing him and his ways, that's dangerous. And they went out and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, what? And confirming the word. Not their word, the word God had given them. Confirming the word with accompanying signs and wonders. I'll end with this. Jesus worked. He gave motion against resistance, such as working miracles, signs, and wonders. And then the final verse I'll give you, John 9, 4, Jesus, Jesus said this, is I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for night is coming and no one shall work. In other words, the end, the end of this age will come. The end of grace will come. It's, it's an age, an aeon age. Anybody here have some resistance in your life? Good. That means you get to experience new ways in God and new anointing and new loving. God will give you whatever emotion it takes against the resistance, but you just got to start. Then you hear me say this all the time, what? John 14, 10. The words that I speak to you are not my own, Jesus said, my own authority, but the Father who sent me. He also went on to say, what works I have done, even greater works than these will you do. That's Jesus. So if you, you put a limit on yourself, take it off because Jesus said you're going to do even greater works than him. Just start there. I'm not saying you're going to, but that's a good, good, good observation and good level to shoot for, isn't it? Anything less than that, you're not, you're not serious. When's the last time you cried over a soul? When's, when's the last time you saw someone in a wheelchair and you just felt sorry and pity for him, but you had no authority in your life to speak and command them to rise and walk? When's the last time you visit family member and friend and family member and friend dying of disease and infirmity and you had no faith to even pray a prayer of faith that you might get them healed? Matter of fact, you stayed away from the hospital until it's so late they couldn't hear you because you were afraid. I'm not going to question your salvation. I'm going to question the anointing, the level of anointing on your life. And people can make fun of me and my driving and every now and then I say words that are not pleasant and kind. But they can't deny my anointing. They may not like the hillbilly or they may not like I'm, you know, what I am. But they can't deny the anointing. It took a stinking price to get what I got. And it's not even a thimble in a cup of what God wants me to have. And I'm not saying that proud. My wife and I have been through hell and back almost annually. Because we love people. And people hurt people hurt people. So if you love hurt people, you're going to get some hurts. But the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that we're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Where'd those stripes come from? The scourging with the bones and the rock down his back. 
pulling his flesh off. Sometimes you have to get a pound or more of flesh pulled off you so you can get a ton of anointing on your life. But it's not going to happen till you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's not going to happen till your status quo isn't the go anymore. It's not going to happen if you just, Lord, you help me feel good. Father, I just want peace, peace, peace. What's peace for you? Well, all my bills are paid. Everybody loves me. All my friends think I'm amazing. You know, work's so easy. I'm so good. I don't even have to really work. It just happens. I'm so blessed, blessed, blessed. Maybe you just curse, curse, curse. Because without any resistance, you're never going to grow in God's glory. Without any resistance, you're not going to increase your power. Without any resistance, you're not going to walk in your anointing. It's time for you, CJ, to go to another realm in God. I'm not talking about your skills. You'll have those. You can do that in a bar. It's time for you to open your heart to God like never before and erase everything anyone's ever done or said to you. And I'm telling you, great psalms will come out of your heart that will change the world. Now, he's just the pattern. That's for every one of us. You see, when you, somebody gets a word, you can take the word because the Spirit of God's speaking. If that's for Jesus, can anybody else pursue God more? Can anybody else forgive people that needs to be forgiven and, and get rid of hurts and be healed? Where's Taria now, man? Sound move with her daughter. You guys, you guys, I'm just telling you, Travis. <laughs> my man, I love Travis, man. I love all these guys, man. Jacoby, the rock, the foundation with Pastor Steph, and woo. Woo. Caleb, the new coming rock. The new coming, building on the new foundation with these anointed men and women of God raise you up and you older people need to be supporting and helping because as the river rises, everybody rises. Where else? Have you ever been in a church that had a platform diverse like this, guys? Any of y'all? You have? How many people were in the church? Uh, back at home, we about 1,300. About 1,300. So good, praise God. So not very many, is there? How many churches you been in your life playing? Yeah. Uh, since I was 10. So, I mean, 1,000 or 100? Huh? About 500. About 500. And you found two churches as diverse as this. This and my home. Your home. That, this one in your home. Isn't that something that God called you here and said it's your home, isn't it? Yeah. Now, I could take that illustration anywhere. But you know why you're here is not because you're hurt, you're resistance. It's because of these guys' resistance and fighting, and staff's resistance and fighting, and others that's grown up in this church resisting and fighting, saying, we want God's best. We want to be the most anointed. We want to do what God's called us to do. And you know what? God brings people around like you, big dog, back here, been out here eight years or whatever on this platform. Jamal. Don't mind me, I'm just drunk. Drunks don't get hungry till they get tired. I ain't tired yet. I'm just drunk. Sucks for you, but. 
Hallelujah. Woo. What, baby? You want to come up here and talk about it? I mean, she not, I didn't say it facetiously. My baby knows it just as good as I do. We, know, we do it together. Everything we do, we do together. So, as you look at this map, I don't know if they can blow it up bigger. I don't know. But what you see, we're going to pray. This is called the Red River House Meeting House right here outside of Bowling Green, right here. I don't know, what is it? Maybe I can see it on here, what's more near, so you guys would know. The yellow spot is what? That's it, right there. And you can see it's in Kentucky, you know, north of Hendersonville, and looks like southeast of west of Bowling Green. There's Cave City, all that. So anyway, the prophecy was, this is where, because it's been prophesied for decades and decades, Kentucky is the next great reformation come from Kentucky. I don't know, probably 100 years or more, but even in modern years. And the woman who goes there and prays all the time, prophesies, God gave her a vision. She saw, and she, she told the direction that it was coming. She might even drew a line. She drew a line, and then I put a map to it. That's what it was. So here it is, and it goes up through Cave City, you know, on the edge of Bowling Green, through Campbellsville Christian University, through Danville, and then the direction over here's Nicholasville. So where's, where's Asbury? Just right a little bit above Danville, right on the edge of Danville, but yellow spot is, is Asbury, isn't it? So that's Asbury. So here's where the meeting house started, where the men stoned, and those guys came, got the Holy Ghost with this other preacher. Here, and it goes through there. Look at it, it goes right, at, right there at As, uh, oh, what's that, baby? Asbury. Oh, look at Bethel, right through Bethel to Cane Ridge. That's one straight line. Only God can line up those stars. And our word is what this year? A year of uncommon anointing, supernatural promotions and breakthroughs, divine encounters. I mean, are you looking at this? Travis, you can text that out this week to people. Put on the text. He'll also put if you didn't get the declaration, even if you did, he's going to text that out so everybody gets it this week. They'll have them at the doors if you didn't get them. See, I can take care of business too. So, Okay, she typed the prophetic word up. I got it, but the prophetic word. We're a team, people. She knows more, she knows more about me than I do myself. And the person that knows second most about me is Elder Mark. My God, I can't hide nothing from that man. I know a lot about him too, though, so I'm just saying. Now you know I'm drunk if I talk about friends and places, right? <laughs> oh, here it is. Anybody heard any teaching about angels in the last three or four years in this church? The prophetic word in, in a nutshell was that angels would be working between these two locations where it started and where it happened. Cane Ridge, where it happened down there on the Red River to Cane Ridge. Angels, the angels would be working between these two locations. Look at that, all the places between it, Asbury, us, you know, and other cities. Sending out kingdom assignments that will impact the world. I mean, if that ain't God, there ain't no God. And we know there's a God. 
So it must be right. Who could line that stuff up? That's what, two years ago or a year and a half? Two years ago. Isaac, that's one of those. Can't wait. Isaac preached. Ooh, boy. They're going to schedule when I'm out of town. I said, don't you dare schedule him when I'm out of town. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes you grab a tiger by a tail and don't know what to do with it. That's about where I'm at right now. (laughs) Can the worship team cover just a moment? Let's take a few minutes and release you, but I want you, you, many of you gave a worship offering. Many of you are just, just here worshiping God. Many of you have never heard anything like this. I like all of you that would want to just receive another level of anointing. I can't wait to pray over our new members. Ooh, I start interviewing them this week. It's going to be fun. Hallelujah. But you that just <clears throat> say, man, I'm open, God. I want another touch. I, I want you to stand and pray through for a moment or two and then just come to this altar and worship. And we won't take long. The others, you can go. And The line's going to be long now. It's after 12, so you might want to wait a little while anyway. Get anointing, you might not even be hungry. I'm not. Some are already coming. That's fine. If you come, get real close. And then I'm going to pray. If you need to go home, feel free. God bless you. If you don't feel comfortable, you can worship right where you're at. You don't have to come up here. One of the anointings I'm going to teach you about if God's will is the corporate anointing. While you're coming, I'll tell you, what is that? That's the anointing on the churches, the believer, the church of Christ. So a corporate anointing is different than your individual anointing. <clears throat> and it's different than your ministry anointing. The corporate anointing is the anointing on the tent of meeting place you attend. And what happens, the Bible says one to put a thousand, two to put ten thousand, three basically to put a million to flight, and it just goes on. So what happens when you bring your unique anointing and giftings to the house of God, and you're in covenant with that house, with that leadership, and if they're doing what God wants them to do, what happens? Whatever is on you is exponentially multiplied because it's no longer just your family. And any need you have, you can get it outside the house, but basically any need you have, you can find it in the house. If you need a healing, you need a word, you need a revelation, you can find it in the house. That's how, So we keep it here. That's so you can take it to your city, your neighborhood, wherever God has. But, but it's so you can get what you need to get to be who God called you to be.